to the First Baptist Church of Damascus, Maryland. We're so glad that you're here with us. We know you're here with us because you respond to us so well during the week. We get so many emails and messages from you. And we know that you're with us. This is not the way we prefer to worship because we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But since we can't do that, this is the next best thing. And I am just so thankful that you're here with us this morning. This morning, last night I had a dream. This is the truth. And I dreamed that we were all together out in a park or something, and we were just having the best time of fellowship. Just, it was just a wonderful, wonderful time with the family of God here at the First Baptist Church of Damascus. That's what I dreamed. And when I first woke up this morning, I thought to myself, I'm going to start the service today by having different ones tell what a wonderful time they had yesterday uh, out in the park as we just were together. And then it dawned on me, son, that was a dream. That was a dream. But I hope that it's a dream that's going to come true in the very near future. It didn't happen last night. It happened to me in my dream, but that's what it was. I miss, and I hope you do, the fellowship of us being together. And we want to, again, thank Jeremiah Hilton so much for uh, making it possible for us to come to you this way, on Facebook, on YouTube, on the website, whatever how you're getting it, uh, we thank Jeremiah. And by the way, by the way, Jeremiah is going to have a birthday this coming Wednesday. Wouldn't it be nice if you send him a nice birthday card and in that card just thanked him for making these services possible to us each and every Sunday morning. Now, uh, if you don't know his address, you can send it to the church and we'll make sure that he gets it. But we sure appreciate everything that he's been uh, doing for us. Today, of course, is Palm Sunday. 2020. Normally we'd have a good crowd, we'd have palms here, but we, we don't have that. But I want to read to you, just before we have our prayer, I want to read to you from Matthew, the 21st chapter, and I want to read verses 1 through 3, a very familiar part of Scripture. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them, and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them. Isn't that good? The Lord needs them. The Lord needs us to worship him today in spirit and in truth. Tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day, for this Palm Sunday. We thank you for Carrie and the music that she just provided for us. And we thank you that though we can't be here physically, everybody, we're here in spirit and in truth. And what's most important is this is your house and you're here. And you will speak to us today through the precious Holy Spirit. 
I know there's some this morning that are discouraged. They can't see an end to this virus that we're going through right now. But let us rejoice in you because you've got the whole thing under control. And as I said last week, God is in control. I would ask, Lord, that as I share this sermon on this Palm Sunday, that through the precious Holy Spirit, you would help me to say the words that would touch the hearts of all those that listen and all those that watch us today. You know, in myself, I'm weak. I don't have the words. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can speak through this humble servant and you can take the message of that first Palm Sunday to the people. For everyone that's watching us just now, I pray, Lord, your very special blessing upon them. Would you just reach down? Would you wrap your arms around them? Would you help them to feel your presence is right there with them wherever they may be? This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. A man was uh, reading the newspaper one morning. His wife was sitting across the room, and the man said to her, Dear, it says here in this paper that women use twice as many words each day as men do. He thought he had really given her something to think about. She didn't think for, even for a second. And she responded, that's because we have to tell you everything two times. We have to repeat everything to you uh, two times. Well, today I'm going to tell you about a story, that first Palm Sunday. You say, but Pastor, I've heard that story before, probably more than two times. But I believe each time we hear it, God will bring something new to our minds. I know he, had, he did to me this week as I studied it again. He brought new information to me that I had never noticed before, even though I've studied this Palm Sunday for years and years and years. So I pray that'll happen to you today. Maybe today, as we go through this storm we're all going through, maybe today this story will mean more to us than ever before. As we, as we go through this, I want us to see from this very familiar story today how that we can have hope and we can have encouragement and our Lord Jesus Christ. And actually, from what he did on that very first Palm Sunday. So as we are all aware, today is Palm Sunday, and it marks the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem over 2,000 years ago. It also marks, well, scholars believe this. I, I don't know, I can't confirm it. Scholars believe the actual date that this took place was April the 3rd, A.D. 30. So you can figure that out how many years ago that was if you want to. It was the beginning of the last week Jesus would spend on this earth before his crucifixion and before his resurrection. Jesus makes his way to Jerusalem. He gets within a couple of miles of Jerusalem. As he was going there, 
You know that old saying, your reputation precedes you? That's exactly what had happened. They had heard about this Jesus. They had heard about the miracles that he performed. They said, you know, he touches people that are blind and they begin to see. People that are deaf and, and they begin to hear. People that are lepers and their skin becomes as clear and beautiful as a newborn baby. In fact, they had this miracle to talk about. There was a man that had been dead and in the grave for days. And Jesus came and said the word, and that man came up out of that grave. Well, when that type of reputation gets around, I want you to know, on that Palm Sunday, that first Palm Sunday, there was a crowd waiting for, uh, waiting for Jesus in Jerusalem. Well, he got two miles from Jerusalem. There's a place there called Bethany. Linda and I have been there. It's like a little suburb of Jerusalem. He got there about two miles. He had to go, and he told two of his disciples. We don't know which ones. He said, I want you to go to such and such a place. There'll be a, a donkey tied there. There'll be a colt there. I want you to bring them to me. Jesus either knew that from his omnipotence or maybe he had already talked to somebody. I, I don't know what, but he said, I want you, to, you two to go and get the colt and the mother and bring them to me. I want you to know this. That kind of a strange request. If I said to Jeremiah today, look, I want you to go about a mile down the road. There's a new Cadillac sitting there. I want you to hotwire it and bring it to me. I have a feeling he would have a couple questions about that. I don't know if those disciples questioned Jesus or not, but I think they went and did what he told them to do this. And I want you to know something. If Jesus gives you a task to do, no matter how much it might seem like I can't do that and normally when you ask somebody to do something in the church that's their first reaction oh I could never I could never teach a class I could I could never sing a song I could never do this that or the other thing but if the Lord asks you to do something you can count on two things he'll give you the ability and the resources to do it number one and number two He'll open the doors for you so that he can, so that you can do what he's called you to do. I, I think almost all ministers and missionaries would say to you, God called me to be a minister. He called me to be a miss missionary. My first thought was, I can't do that. But then God began to open doors. And you talk to a, a missionary that been a missionary for many years and they'll look back over their life and they'll they'll tell you I'm just amazed at the doors that God has opened for me uh, over the years and how he he did this I, I got a message uh, this past week uh, from my cousin that lives down outside Raleigh North Carolina a missionary in Africa for years and years and years in Kenya and he's back home now, and he's, he lives down there. And he, he sent me a message how much he enjoyed watching our service, how much he was blessed by he and his wife. 
and uh, just a precious man of God. When God called him to be a missionary, I'm sure he didn't know exactly how all that could work out. But one day it did work out, and he became a missionary for many years. So getting back to our story today, those disciples, the two that were sent, they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them in order for Jesus to sit on them in order to go into Jerusalem. They bought the colt, and maybe when they got the colt, which is a baby donkey, the mother came following behind. You know how mothers are. I better not let Junior get out of my sight. I better keep an eye on him. And the mother came trailing behind. So they both came to Jesus. They followed, uh, the one followed after the other. The Bible tells us when it got time for the parade, the disciples took off their coats and they put them on the colt and they put them on the donkey, the mother. Why would they do that? I wish I could answer that. I think the only good answer is they didn't know which one Jesus would get on. And they wanted to be prepared, whichever one he got on. They wanted to have a type of a saddle there for him to, to ride on. The Bible tells us the disciples took off their cloaks and put them on the donkey, evidently because they didn't know which one he was getting on. They were humbly honoring Jesus in any way that they could. They were giving him, we might say it this way, they were giving him the coat off of their back. Linda tells the story of her grandfather who was seeing a missionary off in New York many years ago. And the missionary, it was cold there in New York, he didn't have an overcoat. And the story goes, and it's a true story, her grandfather took off his overcoat and gave it to the missionary and, and sent him on his way to wherever he was going to. On this Palm Sunday, we celebrate Jesus victoriously coming into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. As Jesus comes into Jerusalem, I believe this is the most famous parade that has ever taken place in all of history. You say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, Jim, hold on a second. Been a lot of big parades. What about when the troops came back from World War II? Yeah, that was a, that was a great. What about when the astronauts? Oh, yeah, that was that was that was. A, what about when the Washington Redskins won the Super Bowl? Now that was not just a parade; that was a miracle. Well, yeah, that was a big. What about last year when the when the Washington Nationals? halfway through the season were written off and they came back to win the World Series. What about that parade? Yeah, that was a big parade. But this was the greatest parade in all of history. Why do you say that, Jim? I'm saying it for this one reason. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was leading this parade. That's why it's the greatest parade that ever took place in history. And about this cult that Jesus got on, you know, they tell me, I've never ridden on a donkey, I don't plan to, they tell me they're a stubborn animal. He gets on this cult, the crowd screaming and yelling and throwing things and, and putting things in the path, 
you know, when you think about these uh, horses the park rangers have, they have to be trained and trained and trained not to go goofy with all the noise and riots and stuff like that. This cold, nobody had ever been on him before. And we don't have one inkling, not one clue, that he ever, that this cult ever acted up in any way. What was that all about? How could that possibly be? Do you think that animal somehow knew the one that created him was riding on him? Do you think that maybe that animal knew this is why I was created? This was the plan for my life? I don't know the answer to those, but I think it's very interesting. We don't see that animal acting up in any way with all that was going on. Jonathan Falwell, I shared this before, but um, he was studying one Saturday night. And he said just down the road, there was a place that did wedding receptions. And when the wedding reception was over, they would set off fireworks. And he said, all of a sudden, the fireworks started up. And all of a sudden, his dog, that just couldn't stand the noise and the lights from fireworks, came running to him. He was there writing, doing his sermon. The dog jumped right up in his lap, right up that nose to nose with him. Because that dog was so afraid of that noise and all that was going on. He ran to where he knew was a safe place. That donkey that we looked about, that we talked about a few minutes ago. We have no clue that he did anything except carry Jesus in that parade. I wonder this morning, if we're going, and as we're going through the storm that we're going through, if it wouldn't be a good time for us to run to God, wouldn't it be a good time to run to that safe place? That's our Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be a good time for us to run to his arms of safety? to let him renew us today, to let him remind us today how much he loves us and that we're his children and that, yeah, we're in a storm right now. We don't see the end of it in sight. We're in a storm right now, but he's got it all worked out. He's got it all under control. Now, why did Jesus ride on that colt in the first place? for many reasons, but the main one to fulfill prophecy. Both Matthew and Luke quote that prophecy. Zechariah had written it a thousand years before. Here's what he wrote. See your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah wrote that a thousand years before. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. And as he rode in that parade that morning, he was saying, I am the Messiah. I am the one Zechariah was talking about. I am the Messiah. Jesus said, 
he could stop. He, he could not stop and speak to that crowd. They were yelling, they were screaming, they would have never heard him. That crowd was so noisy and so excited. So he came into Jerusalem and visibly fulfilled the prophecy of Zechariah a thousand years before. A very dramatic fulfillment of prophecy. Another reason that Jesus rode that colt into Jerusalem, it showed that he was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when a, when a king would visit a city, they'd come to two different ways. If the king was coming to conquer the city, they would come on a beautiful stallion, maybe a black stallion or a white stallion or, or just a beautiful prancing horse. That's the way they'd come. But when a king came into a city in peace, then they would come into that city on a donkey. And so Zechariah had said, he'll be gentle and riding on a donkey. And that's the way the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords came into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday. Not as a war maker, but as a peacemaker. So on that first Palm Sunday, Jesus comes into Jerusalem on a donkey. He was treated that day as a hero, as a Super Bowl hero, as a World Series hero. What excitement, tremendous excitement. Because he was and is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, why the waving of the palms? Why did they wave the palms? Those palm branches symbolize and still do goodness and victory. Even though uh, we sin and we ought, don't always do what he wants us to do. Solomon had palm branches carved into the walls and into the doors of the temple as a symbol of beauty and of elegance. Jesus comes into Jerusalem on first Palm Sunday. Now there's something else about palm branches that you might not know. Maybe you do. We will be waving palm branches in heaven. In heaven, we'll be wearing white. I hope you look good in white. We'll be wearing white robes in heaven. And we will be waving the branches before the Lord. People from every tribe, people from every nation, it will always be Palm Sunday in heaven. And I'm sure you agree with me, Palm Sunday is a very happy and a very joyous occasion. It's the day Jesus openly declared, you know, before that he would say, don't tell people about my miracles or who I am. But on that day, he declared he was the Messiah, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But in the midst of all of that excitement, in the midst of all of that joy, something happened. Jesus began to weep, not just weep, but sob. He began to sob. Why was Jesus weeping? Why was Jesus crying? He looked back and he saw all the years that that nation had wasted and not worshipped him. He looked within and he saw their spiritual ignorance and their blindness. And he looked at the hearts of the people and he knew there were so many, even in that crowd, that didn't accept him. 
He looked around and he saw the hypocrites and the religious leaders of that day that taught so many things that were wrong. Religious leaders that even at that time were figuring a way, plotting to kill him. As he looked ahead, Jesus saw trouble. He saw judgment. He saw destruction that would come to that nation in A.D. 70 when the Romans would come in and siege that city for 143 days and 600,000 Jews would be killed as Jesus saw all this taking place. The Bible says he wept, he sobbed. They spread their cloaks on the road. They cut the branches of the trees and they spread them on the road. And they shouted this, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They were praising Jesus and celebrating his appearance. But it didn't last long. Some of these same ones that were saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, just a few days later would be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Why did all this love they felt toward him fade so fast and why did it turn love turn to hate because he didn't do what they expected him to do and what they wanted him to do he did not form an army and overthrow the Romans instead he told them where they were failing he went into the temple he overthrew the money changers and he said this my house shall be called the house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. He did not attempt to raise an army. Instead, he revealed to them their sins. And so their praises would turn to anger. Enough anger that they wanted to kill him. Do we ever do the same thing? Do we ever praise the Lord on Sunday and then during the week things turn bad and we begin to go through a lot of problems and trials and God, where are you? God, what, what, have you forsaken me? Where are you? Our joy turns to sadness and we no longer praise and worship God. God does not always give us what we ask for because we've asked that this virus would stop today. It should have stopped yesterday, maybe. He doesn't always give us what we ask for, but he always gives us what we need. He doesn't give us always what we ask for, but he always gives us what we need because he sees the big picture and we don't. The Bible tells us he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us he came to his own and his own received him not. They were looking for one to liberate them from their earthly needs and they weren't interested in their spiritual needs. We need to take note of that today. Are we interested in our spiritual needs? They wanted to be freed from the Roman oppression. But God's plan was to liberate them from Satan, the one that could destroy them. The enemy of our soul, 
In that regard, they dismissed all of his miracles and all of his teachings. Jesus came to accomplish the will of his Father. They wanted Jesus to accomplish their will, to do what they wanted. And so they dismissed the fact that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was right there in the of his heavenly Father. So what does this mean to you and I today? Palm Sunday, 2020. Well, in one way, Jesus is still on trial. For those that have never acknowledged that he is the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and that he is the Savior of the world. If you've never come to that decision today, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Think of what some said that were very close with Jesus. Simon Peter, he was with him for three years. He saw his miracles. He said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. Martha saw Jesus raise her brother Lazarus, dead for four days. She said, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And then there was a man named Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas. He said, I won't believe until I touch the nail prints in his hands and the scar in his side. One day Thomas did. Here's what he said. My Lord and my God. Have you come to that place in your life? My Lord and my God. Even his enemies testified. Judas said, I have betrayed innocent blood. Pilate said, I find no fault with him. The thief on the cross said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Even the soldiers that were gambling for his clothes, they said, surely this man was the Son of God. So they, today on this Palm Sunday, Easter's coming in seven days. We live in an unusual time, like we have not seen before, not in my lifetime anyway, but the message of Palm Sunday is still the same. It's still true. Jesus is the King of Kings, and He is Lord of Lords. He wants to be your King. He wants to be your Lord. And when he rode into Jerusalem, knowing that in just a few days he would be going to the cross, you were on his mind. I was on his mind. We were on his mind. That's why he did it. That's why he rode into Jerusalem that day. That's why he went to the cross. He did it for you, and he did it for me. He was showing us how much he truly loves us. I've been reading about angels lately. I read something that Billy Graham said about his grandmother, a great Christian lady. She was in the hospital, very bad off, almost to the point of death. Billy Graham said, all of a sudden, in that hospital room, the room filled with a light 
a very bright. The only way he could describe it, it was a heavenly light in that room that filled that hospital room. His grandmother that was so sick sat right up in the bed. And here's what she said. She said, I see Jesus. I see Jesus. His arms are outstretched towards me. And she said, I see angels with him. She slumped over. And all of a sudden, she was absent from the body. She was present with the Lord. I believe those angels had come to escort this Christian lady to that place called heaven. Billy Graham went on to say, many times when I get up to preach and I look out and there are thousands and thousands of people, my thought is, I can't do this. I'm not able to do this. I can't do it. He said, but I believe that in those times, God sends angels, visitors, to give me the strength to do what I need to do. And what did Billy Graham do? He proclaimed the message of Jesus Christ across the world. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people were saved because of the message that he proclaimed. People ask, is this the end? I don't know. But I know this. Jesus loves each and every one of us. We can put our lives in his hands and he will take care of us. And one day when we finish this earthly journey, he's coming to get us. He's sending his angels for us. What a day that will be when our Savior we shall see. Let us pray. Father, we thank you on this Palm Sunday. You loved us so much that you rode into Jerusalem that day on an unbroken animal that just obeyed you. Knowing that just a few days, those ones that were worshiping you and saying, blessed is he, would be saying, crucify him. And you did it for each and every one of us. Everyone that's watching me right now, you did it for them personally. They had been the only one that ever lived. You would have done it for them. And you did. Let us bow before you on this Palm Sunday. Let us ask you for forgiveness for all those places we've failed. Let us get the courage that even during this time to go on and to put our lives in your hands to trust you completely and to reach out to others and help them as best we can because one day we're going to gather in that place that place called heaven and what a day that will be I ask Lord your special blessings upon everyone that's listening to me today. May your Holy Spirit take these words that I have uttered in such a humble way and probably not very good, but take those words, anoint them, and take them to the hearts of the people. There'd be one that is listening to me 
that's never found you as Lord of their life, let them just ask you to forgive them. And then let them know that when they ask, there's no way you would turn them away. This is our prayer on this very special Palm Sunday, 2020. Amen. May God bless you.